out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase it other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today, Meet Me in the Field breaks new ground. We are listening to our first Skype recorded chat. As you know by now, I'm quite active on social media and have made many a real-life friend already in this way. Today is a sign that Twitter is not just bile and guts. I talked to my new friend Jonathan, who lives in Mauritius, and who tweets under the handle at A-G-A-S underscore Mauritius. Jonathan is a problem gambler and alcoholic who uses Twitter, YouTube, and his website to raise awareness to addiction, especially in the context of being in Mauritius, where there is very limited or no state support for addicts of any kind. In recovery, he calls himself Morpheus. If you are interested, you can also check out the hashtag RecoveryPossade on Twitter. It is trending hugely and is an amazing addiction support community. You will find me there too. You can find Jonathan's amazing informative website at www.agasmauritius.com which stands for Alcohol and Gambling Abstinence Support Mauritius. He also has a very active YouTube channel. So go to YouTube and type in AGAS Mauritius and you will find his channel. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Morpheus's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Coolio! So, what do we call you? Jonathan or Morpheus? <laughs> <laughs> This is hilarious. You know, I think we're going to talk about spirituality and I'm a problem gambler in recovery and there's so many odds that you think about in life and the Morpheus thing actually came on my very first few tweets. I was looking for a GIF, you know, one of those things you put on, 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 on the responses and I can't remember the word I typed, but the very first one that came up to my head was the one that I use quite often, the Morpheus one. And that night, I think an advert for the movie came out and I watched the movie. So everything sort of came together. Um, and then I watched the movie and I related it to my life and society. And I said, wow, that's pretty amazing because that's exactly what, what we live in. But to answer your question, Jonathan Benkalicellum is the person that was born in 1983 and died on the 28th of May, 2019. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the addict, that's the gambler, the alcoholic, the arrogant person, the full of himself person, the person that didn't really care about others, the person that was, you know, full of himself and totally blinded by what was happening to him. And uh-huh. And it was it was a very hard thing to accept. Essentially, my wife left me on the 30th of June of 2018 because of my addictions. And I'm someone that drank and gambled for a large portion of my life. Okay. 
How old now, are you now? I'm 36. I started drinking when I was... Younger, so you're still young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, young. Was, I think defining age is based on what you perceive age to be in your head. And you could be 80 <laughs> and young, right? Or you could be 25 and feel like a, like a 100-year-old man, you know? Absolutely. But yeah, no, so I started drinking, uh, binge drinking when I was 16. And I started gambling for fun when I was 18. And it became something that I explained in a lot of my videos and even on, the, on, on, on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's something that grew progressively worse over time. And it sort of eats you. And I think it's the same for any kind of addictions. You don't, you don't become an addict overnight, in my opinion. Um, I think that you grow into it. Yeah. I think that addictions um, sort of take over everything that is around you, inside of you, physically, spiritually, uh, psychologically, physiologically, and around your surroundings as well. So my, life, my wife left me. I tried to commit suicide twice in one night. It didn't work for some reason. Twice um, in one night? Yeah, twice. Actually, basically, I was driving my car so fast. I was so drunk. And I was driving my car at an excessive speed. And I actually, there's a, there's a road in Mauritius where it sort of converges and you have something right in the middle. And I was driving at, I think, 180 or 190 kilometers. Oh, my God. And I just let go of the wheel. Oh, my word. And the car kept going straight. And there was a curve. So in all likelihood, I should have hit that at 170, 180 kilometers per hour. I did yeah. that twice in a day, in, in, in 48 hours. And I didn't die. So then again, questions to be asked about your path on Earth, right? So then I got admitted to the to the to the private clinic here, and I got I started I started with my with my treatment program, and over the course of a year I was basically left to rot by my surroundings. My brother, my 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 father, he to my father I drink in I drink when I'm sad and I gamble when I need money. It's not an addiction. That's how my father sees things. Okay. And, uh, my wife, she was completely clueless and she was scared and she couldn't comprehend the severity of what I was going through. So long story short, from the 30th of June 2018 up until the 28th of May 2019, I stayed more than 320 days without drinking or gambling. Okay. And that still wasn't good enough for my wife. It oh, still my wasn't for people around me so I said screw it you know let's go gamble and let's try to win a million dollars and let's try to see if we can beat the system now obviously I lost everything in about an hour and a half and I again tried to kill myself I won't mention the details of this one but um, I should be dead today and uh, I, I, I did not die and after so many failed attempts, you know, you, you sit down, you, you speak with your counselors, you take your medication. My mom is big on spirituality and myself as well in different ways. But, yeah, so basically I have something to do while I'm still alive, and I think I'm doing it. Awesome. So, so, so th this is me. And I think you're one of the first people I connected with on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, so for, for the listeners, um, we, we are Twitter friends. We spoke today for the first time on on skype and this is a skype interview because i'm in cape town and jonathan is in mauritius where in mauritius are you i'm on the have you been to mauritius 
I've been there once, yeah, on holiday. Okay. So I live in a. So Mauritius has two faces. You've got the 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 face for the tourists, which is basically the coastal areas where you have the hotels and so forth, um, and a certain lifestyle with partying and you know beaching it up and whatnot. And then you've got where people like me, Mauritians, live. So I live in the central part of the island, next to the I guess second financial center here, Eben. So it's the cyber city. So I live okay. pretty much right on the center of the island. Yeah. Okay. You're cool. You're in Cape Town, right? I'm in Somerset West in Cape Town, yeah. Were you born in Mauritius? No, I'm actually, it's, it's a very complicated story. <laughs> so, my dad is Mauritian. He was born in 1954. He uh, moved to England while it was still a British colony. My mom's German. Um, they both moved to France to find work in the hotel industry. They met there. So I was born in France, and then in 1987, they moved to Mauritius to start a small hotel business. And I lived in Mauritius from 1987 to 1998. And then in 98, I left when I was 14 to go study in the United States. And that's when basically my life turned upside down. Uh, and I actually figured that out through a lot of soul searching. And yeah, so mom's German, dad's Mauritian, born in France, a holder of two passports. So it's a bit complicated. And and why did you study in, in America? So my dad, when he was a waiter in a, in a hotel in France, met John McEnroe when he was playing the French Open. Oh, my word. And John, okay. <laughs> and John McEnroe left him a tennis racket. Um, well, you know, it's not the tennis rackets now are not like they used to be. They used to be like yeah. this wooden with a circle on it. And yeah. I, still, I, still, I still have that. And he always wanted me to be a tennis player. So when we moved to Mauritius, I picked up tennis. And very quickly, I was number one in, in the under eight, tens. I, re- I played the African Championships numerous times. So I was quite good on a junior level. And then I basically got a scholarship to go play sports and do studies in the U.S., which is what I did. Uh, as from 16 to no 14 to 18 so I did my high school there basically wow. going to school in the morning playing tennis and wow. yeah and then to the collegiate US national system and this is actually where binge drinking kicked in for me uh-huh. yeah this this is actually where the the alcoholic became the addict in 19 in 2000 where in America were you Oh, so I was in South Carolina on Hilton Head Island. That's um, okay. a couple of states above Florida. So it's in the okay. southeastern part. Of, of, of South the Carolina? Right. Yes, <laughs> South Carolina, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite some place. I mean, a lovely place. Uh, I, had a good, I had good memories from there. But um, in hindsight, when Morpheus looks back, Morpheus should never have gone to the U.S. in the first place. Uh, now, I'm a very sensitive human being, and you know when you when when a child is taken away from his family and goes thousands of miles away, and at the time, mind you, in, two, in 1998, we don't have we don't have Skype, we don't have the internet. I mean, I remember we had AOL with the dial-up connection. You know, so, uh, it's not like today. So, you know, I couldn't I couldn't see my parents, and I was 14 years old, and I basically died, you know, and that, yeah. that was a question of not my mom. My mom never wanted me to leave, but my dad said, Jonathan's going to be a tennis player. That's the only way. America is the way to go if you want to succeed. The American dream. And 
And, you know, it left a void inside me. And I'm there. I don't have the American accent. I'm a foreigner. People in the U.S. don't know where the Indian Ocean is. I think people in the U.S. started becoming aware of Africa when the movie Madagascar came out, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember having to explain to people, I said, where are you from, Mauritius? And they said, where's that? The Indian Ocean. Where's that? Okay, so you know South Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that country in, in Africa. I was like, no, 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 it's South Africa. It's, it's, it's a country in Southern Africa. And then you have the big island. Uh, which island? Australia. I was like, no, no, Madagascar. So <laughs> after a couple of years, I just, after a couple of years, I just said I'm German. That's, that's, that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> far, far easier. Listen, did you, did you grow up with, with, with religion or, or with a sense of spirituality or how did you grow up? Um, no, yes and no. In fact, when, when I, when I grew up, my parents were so busy with their professional lives and my mom is Protestant, mom's Protestant. Um, she converted to Protestantism after World War II. Essentially, she's Jewish, but okay. after the Second World War, my family was sort of scared to have a third world war happen and have the genocide happen again. So um, you know, they said, okay, we're just going to convert to, you know, a Christian religion. And so she grew up Protestant and, uh, my father is from, uh, Tamil, which is, you know, it's basically a Hindu background, but they were so busy working that we never went to church. We never, you know, actually took time to meditate. Um, when my parents separated, I think in 2006, my mom was really hurt by that and my dad too, but less. My dad is a macho man and, you know, he's not someone that will cry. I've never heard my dad say, I love you to me. Never, ever, ever, ever. Ah. And my brother, when he was young, I always teased him. I was like, hey, go tell dad you love him. And he's like, hey, daddy, daddy, I love you. And then, and then my dad would be like, yeah, okay. Dad, no, but dad, I love you. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay go do your homework. But I love you, dad. Okay, good. You know? Sure. And, and so my mom, my mom started then in 2006, um, reading books on Buddhism, on spirituality, on, I don't know if you've uh, heard the author, uh, Neil Donald Walsh, Conversations with God. Yeah. Uh, so she started, she, she started becoming really spiritual, but in 2006, I am 23 years old, man. So I'm in college, you know, I've got, I've got a fiance, I'm playing tennis, you know, you get drunk, it's more important. So spirituality is not you know who cares you know you wake up in the morning you you get good grades and i did have good grades i mean when i was in mauritius i was mentally retarded according to my teachers that they actually wrote that on my on my school book uh, your son your son is mentally challenged but i got good grades and up until 2010 i didn't really really care to think about a higher power or higher self it didn't really matter to me because this is why I like the movie The Matrix. Society tells you that it's not important. Society tells you to not think about because the, the thing is, however you regard spirituality, whether it's through religion, whether it's through soul searching, whether it's through you connecting with your higher self or your higher power, it demands time where you sit alone. It demands time where you concentrate on you. But society doesn't want that. Capitalism doesn't want that. Yeah. You know, that, 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 and again, I mean, 
I tell the truth based on how I see it. There are churches in Mauritius and there are, you know, temples and whatnot. And people do go to church. And the same people the next day do sins that you shouldn't do. I mean, the first, you know, Ten Commandments. I mean, in Mauritius, it, it, in Mauritius, it's it's common practice to have a mistress on the side. You know, you're married, you go to church, you go with your wife, you go with your kids and you praise the Lord and, you know, you give the money to the church and whatnot. And 10 minutes later, you get a message and you're meeting your girlfriend. No, but my, my, my spirituality actually, my spirituality started when I realized that I had a problem with addiction. And, and when was that? Okay, so for me, there are four stages in any kinds of addictions, and, that, and that's me. You have the denial phase. In the denial phase, you're just doing what you're doing and you don't think of consequences. You don't have a problem. You're just doing what you're doing. But I think that every addict, before they die, they know that something's wrong. They know that what they're doing is not right. They know maybe it's not conscious, but on a subconscious level, they definitely know that something's not right. And to me, that's the realization mode. And the realization mode is, is internal. You don't share it with anyone. It's to you. So you'll go about your life and you drink your 10 or 8 beers per day or whatnot, or you'll take your shot of, of cocaine or you'll uh, gamble every week, but you don't tell anyone. It's you. Yeah. So for me, phase was in 2013. On a Wednesday or a Thursday night, I went out and I got absolutely hammered. And I, you know, I was not 18 or 19 anymore, so the hangover lasted over a day and a half, so I had to skip work for a day. Yeah. And then I I told myself, I was like, well, it's not really normal that on a Wednesday or Thursday you get plastered till five in the morning when you have to be at work at eight. Yeah. I realized and I kept living my life um, on this false premise that you have a problem. You know you have a problem, but everyone else has the same problem, so it must be normal, you know? And then in 2017, in November, when I left my job in the in the corporate slash banking sector and I couldn't find other jobs and I actually went on 23 interviews then I real I accepted that I had an alcohol and gambling problem now for me acceptance is sharing it with someone else is with your mom your wife your kids whatever but it has, if you want to get better, you can't just share it with your mom, dad, husband, wife, son and daughter. It just later down the road in recovery, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. <laughs> I, think, I think so. So the yeah. acceptance mode for me is stating to everyone that knows you that you have a problem. And I am the first person in Mauritius that actually did that. I went on my LinkedIn profile and I knew I was not going to find employment in the banking and financial services sector. I knew it. I Deep down inside of me, I knew it. Again, through spirituality, through watching, uh, you know, channelers and so forth. Um, I just had this gut feeling inside of me. That you're not going to work and you're not going to wear a suit and tie anymore. That, that Those days are gone. And... I admitted to the world that I was an alcoholic, that I was uh, alcohol dependent and, and a problem gambler. But then following that realization phase, from November 2017 up until my wife left me, I was a full-blown alcoholic, man. 
I mean, you know, there's a difference between alcohol dependency and, and alcoholism. Alcohol dependency, you're still functioning. You're still consuming your addictions, but you're functioning. You're a functioning member of society. Yes. In that seven-month period, like in, the, I woke up in the morning, my body would, sh my body would shake if I didn't drink beer. Oh. My body would shake. Like I, I, you know, my heartbeat would go up. My, 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 my tension would go up. I just, I needed beer to calm me down. And for that seven-month period, I was drinking anywhere between eight and sixteen cans of beer a day. Wow. Oh. That's that's. And then I entered treatment. The, the three days after my life, my wife left me, so she left me on the 30th of June. I got accepted. Uh, I got entered into treatment on the 3rd of July. And yeah, so these are the four phases. And going back to what you just said, it's very important. Um, if you skip the acceptance part, which is related, whether you like it or not, to spirituality, to soul searching, to accepting that you did wrong, to forgive yourself, to forgive others, to ask for forgiveness. If you go from realization or denial to treatment, you're going to be fine for a while, but then you're going to relapse. Because you haven't come to terms with other people that you are suffering and that you need help. And I think that explains why the relapse failure is 95 to 97% for a period less than five years. I mean, I think you might not agree with me, but... No, it's huge. It's a huge, 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 huge relapse thing, um, relapse rate. But it also needs to address the underlying issues. Why are you using? Why are you drinking? Why are you gambling? If you don't answer those questions, um, you see, what, what I ask my clients is, so why are you trying to kill yourself? But I'm not trying to kill myself. Yeah, of course you fucking will try to kill yourself. Yeah. Um, you're just you're just using a very long method to get there. You might as well put a gun against your head and pull the trigger and make it shorter because you're going to die for, from what you're doing. Well, I can tell you from an alcohol point of view, if you keep on drinking, whether you're in denial or not, you will die. Yeah. And the medical evidence points to the fact that alcohol, and that's not me saying it on my website, there are Countless yep. articles that I actually, you find me on Twitter all the time saying, yeah, Morpheus, alcohol count, gambling count, whatnot. Absolutely. Alcohol causes seven types of cancers. Yeah. That's proven. That's medically proven. This is not an invention from Freddie or Morpheus. This is proven. Okay. Um, so you, by consuming alcohol, you can expect, if you're alcohol dependent or if you're an alcoholic, you can expect to end your days between 50 and 60 years of age. As opposed yeah. to living in your 70s or 80s. If you oh, gamble... These days, you, 80s or 90s. People live yeah. in 90s very easily these days, but alcoholics die early. That's a given. And if you gamble and you don't get it treated, you will try to commit suicide. Yeah. That's just the reality. And, 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 and people I get frustrated. And you, you ask why, how, and when. Well, those people that come talk to you and come talk to me, they don't understand because it's not talked about in some countries. I know in the UK it is because I follow all these articles, but in Mauritius, and I don't know if it's the case in South Africa, we know the media is the most important uh, medium to communicate information. And they don't do that because they get paid by the gambling companies and by the alcohol companies to promote good times with alcohol and gambling. So, if I'm getting paid by you, why would I talk bad about you? 
I mean, exactly. you, don't have, you don't have to be a genius. So, yeah. you know, um, but again, we, we don't try to understand, and I very much agree with you, we don't try to understand the why, the how, the when. Those are, it's only from a, conse- a consequence perspective that we get intrigued. Like, oh yeah, the person killed himself because of gambling. Yeah, he had a $250,000 debt. But did you ask yourself why he had that debt? What yeah. led to this debt? You know, and this is this is my, I, I wouldn't say, it was anger when I first started becoming Morpheus, but again, through spirituality, through positive affirmations, through a lot of interactions that I have on Twitter with people like you, I have come to terms that I cannot change the perception of other people. I cannot change your perception about something. I can share my opinion. Yep. And in hoping that you respect my opinion, it is my duty to respect your opinion. Yes, yes. We are all entitled to our, to our opinions. Absolutely. But the yeah. vast majority of people who are in denial about addictions or who don't want to face the reality will not even want to listen to the opinion, you know, and it leads to, I mean, it, it, it leads to chaos. And society, I think, is, is, is designed this way. And we don't address, and I think even, I think addictions in my country, it would be a phenomenon like, climate change globally we know it's happening but we refuse to acknowledge it yeah i mean like we're still we're still producing plastic <laughs> yes you know we, we're still i mean you know there is this patch i don't know how what it's how it's called where the where the pacific ocean meets the atlantic ocean and it's called the garbage plastic weights and it's huge it's just plastic converging because the oceans move in different directions yeah it's there and 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 the wildlife is is eating this plastic and then we are consuming this plastic and eating it. So it's entering our body and no one says anything. And we just keep going about it. I think as a human race, like I think you might have um, saw a tweet of mine. We have to be in the total shit before we react. Yeah. I think it's the case for most people. Most people will go to alcohol anonymous meetings or gamblers anonymous meetings or seek counseling from people like you or... I mean, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I, I guess I have a PhD in experience about alcoholism. <laughs> a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, I think people like you and a lot of the long-term abstainers on Twitter, I wouldn't say me yet because, you know, I'm fresh off the boat. It's been 100 days. I'm convinced that I won't relapse. And... I'm very, very careful in the way I approach this because I know a relapse is just around the corner. You know, it can take anything, an emotion, a picture. That's why when I when I see my brothers and sisters on Twitter relapsing, I always tweet, you know, on my website, look at the addiction triggers. Oh, I know oh. every, every word on this page. And, you know, instead of being exposed at 100% to, tr- to, 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 to triggers that lead to relapse, I think I'm 95% covered. I know it's still there, but for example, just to give you an outlook of how a father, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm 36 years of age, how I live my life today, I don't go outside my home after 6 p.m. I don't, okay. carry, I don't carry credit cards. I don't carry more than $20 in my pocket. Um, I don't go to any of the places that have been associated with me consuming alcohol. I have cut ties with any human being that has ever been involved with gambling or alcohol in my life. 
So, you know, recovery oh. is recovery. So, 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 so you have taken some very, very serious decisions and taken some very significant steps in Absolutely. keeping yourself safe. But you have to, if you want to be in that three percent, you have to. You have yeah. to. I can't, I can't go to my, and I've tried this, and this is what has led to relapses in 2018, when, like I mentioned, when my wife left me, up until my me becoming Morpheus, 20th of July 2019, I went 320 days being clean, but then I told my mom, I said, hey mom, I'm going to watch, you know, the football game at the country club, and okay, and then I had one beer, and then one beer led to two, and then the cycle started again, and I drank six, and then I said, oh well, I have to pay school for my child this month, and I went to the casino. You ah. see, so the cycle goes again, and it, it, there was progress out of 365 yeah. days. I sober 90% of the time, which was not the case for the vast majority of my life. But still, <laughs> it was not good enough. A lot of people neglect this and because it hurts. When you have to cut all of this out of your life, you're basically erasing your life as you have come to learn, know, and understand it as a human being. It's not easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to redefine yourself. I, I love that saying that says recovery is easy because all we need to change is everything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You only have to change one thing and that's everything. You know, like um, well, even with my wife, there, there are conversations, there are words that she mentions to me and then I just don't respond because... I know my feeling, you know, when you love someone, even with her, it, it, it's involved so much soul searching that it's almost like programming a computer software. I know my wife inside out. I know what to say, when, what not to say, when to be quiet, you know, like I, I know. And it's taken a year's worth of counseling with my psychologist, which has cost me a fortune. And mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why I haven't relapsed since my latest episode. And I'm very humble about it and I'm very cautious. But, you know, this is why in my meetings, um, if you're not in recovery, I'm not going to accept you because I don't want to be exposed to people who haven't made the decision to get better. Do you know what I mean? Because I know, like, I, this is just to show you how serious it was. I posted a blog about the uh, lack of responsibility from one of the local beer manufacturing uh, company. Um, with the health warning on the back, which is very vague. It says um, excessive alcohol consumption may lead or leads to domestic and physical and health problems. Drink moderately. Like, this is so vague. So I told my mom to buy me a can of beer, right? And she said, why, are you going to drink? I said, no, I just need to take a picture of the can of beer because I need a, yeah. an HD photograph. And it's on my blog in September or August. And so I opened it, I, I took the picture, I opened it, and then I poured it in the sink, right? Yeah. The smell that came out made me think of the times that I was drinking. I wouldn't say it led me to relapses, but it definitely shot images in my life, in my, in my brain about thinking of holding a glass and drinking and watching my football team. Just the smell of it. Just the smell of it. Now, imagine if I go out now with two or three people that I know and they say, oh, John, John, come ahead and um, you'll have an orange juice and uh, or a serious uh, apple juice and we'll be drinking. Well, of course, I'm going to relax, man. Yeah. So you drink serious apple juice in Mauritius. 
Yes, we do. And I actually happened to see this in South Africa in 1996. From El Valley. <laughs> It's good juice. Now, I, I actually played a tennis tournament there. That was a long time ago, 1996. Yeah. Okay. So what are the things keeping you keeping you sober and not gambling? What are the things that you do? So basically, I am I am I am very fortunate. I am the the, the number one thing that I think is hard for addicts in recovery is to find something to kill time. And oh, absolutely. you know, when when you are in recovery and you don't work or you don't you don't do something that gives you fulfillment, you have basically if you take 24 hours in a day, you subtract eight that you sleep, you've got 16 hours of basically being prone to relapses. So I'm fortunate because my mom is a spiritual artist. She paints. Wonderful, yeah, she, she wonderful stuff. I love the the, the Buddha on fire. Yeah, and, she she's yeah. amazing. And 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 what's amazing is that she tried to paint 20 years ago and it was absolutely horrid. And <laughs> when when she got into spirituality, like the funny thing with my mom is that you ask her to draw a man or you ask her to draw an animal on a card, you know, on a piece of paper, yeah. it will look like crap. It will look like crap. But when she's inspired, she paints for six, seven hours or four hours and she produces these things. So these paintings, <laughs> these paintings all have meaning. They all have a meaning. They have, you know, it's wow. about balancing empathy and whatnot. So I'm surrounded in an environment where there's positive energy all around me. And because the whole website is about positive energy, huh? Yes, absolutely. You know, even though I studied being uh, to be a banker and a corporate guy, you know, basically a person with a suit and tie. I've always loved cooking. And today I make pasta for a living. I, I just love, you know, the machine, the eggs. the oh, awesome. So, you know, so that takes the pasta served in your cafe. Yeah. Pasta is made every morning. And I come but up with it. Rest- that you need to order 48 hours in advance. It's not that takeaway, yes. But um, I. Well, raviolis is 48 hours, and but for pasta, I make it in, in a drink day. So, but just to go back to your question, I love what I do. Awesome. And so in loving what I do, when I finish my day, I feel fulfilled. You know, I feel like yeah. I've accomplished something in life. But that's not the most, I mean, it's one of the contributing factors. The contributing factor that keeps me sober is also Twitter. And I always tweet before I go to bed a gratitude tweet. And I think every day I say, you know, you've kept me one more day from the day. So it's a grouping of things. It's the fact that I am surrounded by someone who very much understands spirituality, understands Buddhism, understands, you know, Reiki. She is a a signature cell healer. She sends me energy. You know, people will say I'm crazy and I'll talk about insanity, but I believe in these things. Um, (laughs) Can I ask you while we talk about that, that thing around your neck? Yes. What is that? That's a rock. And I don't Sorry? have the name. That is a rock um, that is very rare. And I would actually tell my mom to tell you which one it is. But she works with rocks as well because they have energetic this, and healing this, properties. Crystal healing. Yes, absolutely. And this basically, this basically blocks all the negative energy coming my way. Oh, wow. Cool. So I've got this. And then I also have all these... Um, all these things that I that I wear, 
It's very just for the for the listeners. He is now pulling a gold chain out of his shirt and so that's gold chain. Like <laughs> five, five, six different things on there. And I thought one was going to be an evil eye, but I don't see an evil eye. Or is no, there evil eye? It's a it's a tachyon uh, stone. Um, T a c h y o n. Basically, all these things basically have healing properties, blocking properties, different properties that. Okay. It works in a way. I don't. It's a bit like electricity. My mom told me you don't know how electricity works. But when you turn on the switch, you have the light, right? I said, yes. And she said, do you believe in this? I said, no, I don't. She's like, okay, but you like energy. You like the light, right? Yes. Because without energy, you don't have your computer. Yes. Okay. So just wear the necklace. <laughs> and the and talk, talk the language the man understands. <laughs> uh, Twitter for me is so important because I am around people like you who have walked my path. I am around people who have been long-term abstainers for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. We are around medical professionals. We are around associations. We are around people who genuinely want to get better. So it's a positive community to be in. You know what I mean? And I think all these people on Twitter, which is actually ironic, when they relapse, they get so much motivation, support. And they don't know the people they interact with. You get support from words. You get love from words, from from letters, from yeah. codes, yeah. one and zero. Where your own family, yeah. when you do so, are the first one to judge you and tell you <laughs> that you're a shithead. I love that. I never thought about it like that. Your Twitter handle is A-G-A-S, yes. Maurice. Am I correct? Yes. What does it stand for? It stands for Alcohol and Gambling Abstinence Support. Alcohol. Awesome. And that is that is your, your movement. That's something that you started on Twitter it's and on your website. Well, no, actually, it didn't start on Twitter. So basically, when, when I was, when I accepted the fact in 2017 that I had a problem, I said, okay, well, there is... I'm not the only one who suffers from this, so let's go find people like me. Because I really genuinely believe in the power of people coming together for a similar cause. The opposite uh, of addiction is connection. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You honor it. And I and I went and I went on, on, on Google and I, I typed in alcohol addiction, you know, gambling addiction, addictions, problem, mental sufferer, whatever. And I didn't find anything at all. There was Alcohol Anonymous, but I couldn't find a place in Mauritius where I could get to understand what I was suffering from. Um, so now I told myself, there's a problem here. If you can't find elementary information on gambling and alcohol addiction in a country, that country is in the shit, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I, I pulled up for the score, I pulled up a couple of websites. So you put Addictions England, you have Addictions UK, sponsored by the government. Addictions Wales, the Welsh Centre for Action on Dependency. So you basically have, you know, government funded programs that give you information. 
We go Ireland, Addiction Service Ireland, Addiction Counselors of Ireland. We go South Africa. We got um, recoverydirect.co.za, some recovery centers, one from the government, a university, Twin Rivers Rehab. Australia, the same. You do Addictions Mauritius, my website pops up first. There's a problem. Oh, wow, yeah. Wow, yeah. There's a problem. There's a problem because um, I am not a doctor. I am not an organization. I am not a company. I am not a foundation. I'm not sponsored by anyone. Um, essentially, I'm just a dude that created a private website. Yeah. And my website shows up first when you type in addictions, Mauritius, alcohol gambling, alcohol problem, Mauritius, problem gambling, Mauritius. You have nothing from the government. You have one private oh. clinic. Yeah. Um, it's called MauritiusRehab.com. I will not comment on that clinic. Um, <laughs> I think I, 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 I just won't comment. I will, I will abstain from, 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 yeah. from comment. But it's just to show you where we are. And I know so we I'm, bring a lot of people for treatment to South Africa, Mauritian people. Yes. But then again, why is that not mentioned in our denial of coconut piece of land? Why is it yeah. not mentioned? And, you know, because it's shameful. Oh, my God, you're going to South Africa to get treated. You are insane. You're, you're bad. You know, it's yeah. shame you. Give, oh, my God. You know, don't, don't share it. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, what you said is so true here in Mauritius. But so, yeah, just to touch on the website. So I told myself, OK, so what this is what you're going to do. You're going to research information and you are going to create a website. And I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, can you... Give me your credit card. And she said, yeah, okay. So I went, you know, on Google, how to create a website. I came across Weebly. So I registered the name, um, agasmauritius.com and homepage. And I wrote a couple of things. But before the homepage, I actually wrote my biography. And then as I was learning on my addictions, as I was learning about what an addiction is, and I was watching documentaries on YouTube, and I was learning about alcoholism, triggers, and so forth, I started putting that on my website. And the thing about my website is that everything that I put is properly sourced and cited. So when, you know, I I mentioned something about alcoholism, it's not Jonathan that said it. It's a doctor. It's an organization, you know, so it's genuine information. And properly researched information, yeah. That's what probably doing when you go to a rehab center. Absolutely. And um, so I said to myself, well, it would be nice if people like me could meet. And like we said earlier, Alcohol Anonymous does exist in Mauritius. But, you know, it's it's hard to find people who will go there. You, um, I haven't gone there. I won't, let, let, let's not be a hypocrite. Let, let's not jump, uh, jump the gun. I haven't been to one of these meetings before. What I can tell you, and based on a link that I've sent to you, is that they are all connected with churches. Now, is it is the fact that it's connected to churches bad? Absolutely not. But in Mauritius churches, they always have you know these 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 back hall rooms where you know they hold meetings where they they you know the poor come for help and whatnot. So, you know, going there in itself is something that is shameful. Uh, walking that road is something that is bad for you. Now, I'm not saying me, I'm saying this is what society views, you know, and oftentimes people who will go to um, AA meetings in Mauritius are still are not getting the treatment that goes along with it. 
um, a lot of people will go inebriated or under, under the, the influence. Do you know what I mean? And for me personally, it would, it could trigger me. Do you know what I mean? Like there could be 10 people and seven or eight would be, you know, not drunk that day or genuinely willing and wanting to make an effort. But these two people might be smelling like alcohol. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm scared that if I smell that, and I hear the sad story and the person is basically opening his heart and letting his emotions in saying that I don't have the means to get the treatment because I don't have the financial means to do so. Do you know, like I'm just scared to be around, to be prone to relapses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a shame. And and I, I, I would love if one day we could have AA meetings, you know, in the open, you know, like, okay, you go... You know, in the center of the city, 10 people put money together and rent a space. I would love that. I would love yeah. that. But sadly, it's not in my perception. And again, I might be wrong. But in my perception, living in Mauritius, the progress and what AA stands for internationally is not what it currently is in Mauritius. That's, okay. that's, that's my view on it. And again, I might be wrong. I might be. So, so, so what I'm hearing from you is that you feel that, that a large part of the stigma needs to be broken. The, the, the shame absolutely. is to the open and say kind of um, 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 you nearly need a kind of um, you know the American Stonewall thing with the gays with when the gay thing happens. Yes, so yes. You kind of, it's you exactly the same. thing. I, 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 and I, I Mauritius to, <laughs> to to bring the alcoholic out and say we are here and we're going to work hard to stay sober and we're going to do it right in front of you and fuck you if you don't like it. You know, it, it starts like this. I mean, I have. I, I, I use an analogy for this, and let's go back three or four hundred years, five hundred years. You know, medicine was not around. Um, if you were sick, you basically died young. Now, what ended up happening was the rich people had the means to go to university and study medicine. And as we progressed in life and in the evolution of the humankind, it took the rich to be sick to provide healthcare for their own kind, right? And then it sort of trickled down as we progressed um, in our evolution. So it's actually good when rich people come out and say, I have a problem, or when celebrities do, you know? Um, It would be awesome in Mauritius if, for example, someone who's rich that that comes from from an Indian or Muslim or Creole or white dynasty comes out and say, look, I'm, an, I'm a gambler, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm going to go to an AA meeting. That in itself would inspire so many people to go and say, well, if that guy's going, and he's got no shame in going, and he's going to that church or whatever, well, I'll go with him. So you see the power of one person doing that, what it could have. Yeah. But the thing is, we're not at that stage yet. You know, we keep it behind closed doors. Like, people yeah. will get treated. People who have the means will get treated. But they definitely are not going to share. Look, I- I'll tell you something that amazes me, okay? We're talking money here. I blogged about it. I offered, and I genuinely still do, I am offering in total about 800 US dollars, okay? So $400 to a man and $400 to a woman, which I'm going to split over the course of 12 months, for saying, I am an addict, I am an alcoholic, or I am a gambler, and I am in recovery, 
and basically state that on their LinkedIn profile. Ah. So basically you say, Freddie, okay, Freddie, I am an alcoholic. My name is Freddie Van Rensburg. I'm an alcoholic. You put that on LinkedIn. You do that. As long as you keep it on your LinkedIn profile, I wire you $30 every month. That sounds yeah. like a good deal. It's free money, right? <laughs> no. And I, it's free money. And I mentioned on my blog, if I do not honor my commitment, please go to the media and tell the media and the entire country that I am a crook. Yes. And what? Not a single person has contacted me. Can you imagine out of 1.3 million people? Amazing. I'm um, giving away free money yeah. in exchange. Just say publicly that you are like me. If you go to my LinkedIn profile, it will say, try if I can find it here. If you, uh, uh, if you go on my LinkedIn. How many screens do you have in front of you? Uh, four. Because <laughs> I can just see you, your eyes all over the place. I thought I, I have a yeah. big screen. Like, what? No, um, no. It's so it basically said, fuck, your, eye, your eyes are darting all over the place. Today. How many screens does this guy have? But so Jonathan, what I'm hearing is that you are, are, are what I would call a trailblazer in the, in the addiction field in Mauritius. I don't know if I am. Um, you know, I've lost everything. There's, there's, a difference, there's a difference between feeling whether you are and whether you are. I don't think you feel whether you are because you possibly don't feel that you're making a difference. But to, to have your website come up first in a country, you're doing something right. I, I believe I am. And... It's, it's two parts. I mean, it's actually three parts. It's many parts. Um, this website keeps me sober. This whole thing is actually good for me. You know, I when you put your life and your pictures, your videos, and you share everything in the public, people will expect you to fail because that's what the norm says. Um, the norm says that your chances of being sober for a period of past five years, your failure rate is 95 to 97%. Now, when I put my face up there, I'm sort of building a wall against relapses. Yeah. That's number one. And number two, all the articles that I put on my website every day, you know, constantly reminds me that stuff is going around and it's, it, and it's a long-term disease and you have to treat it. And I say, well, since my countrymen don't have information, don't have access to this information through our government and through the private sector, um, you know, I said, why not give my countrymen the medical evidence, the scientific definitions of what I suffer from? Why not put a blog and tell them what I feel like in my daily recovery? And since our country is lazy because they don't even read, you, you know, Freddie, that's one thing that really pisses me off is that people don't even read my website. Yeah. Yeah. That as we discussed today, people call you and ask you what, what's this about and kind of read my website. All the information is there. I, but that's, that, that, that's, that, that, that's the thing. They go alcohol problem, addictions, Mauritius, and my, my website comes up first. And there's a website. It says, I got Mauritius. They click on the phone and they call me. And they say, my husband's an alcoholic. How do I go about it? How much does it cost? And I used to, I, I, up until a month ago, I used to actually take the time to speak to people. And such a call goes anywhere between 30 minutes and 60 minutes. Now, mind you, I have a job. 
Yeah. I'm not I'm not getting paid for the information that I am that I'm providing and I do it out of good heart. Now basically when they hear how much it's going to cost, ballpark speaking, then they hang up the phone and they say thank you. And I've lost countless hours on this and I don't want to keep doing this anymore. So now what I so, do so, is so, so that will be how much treatment will cost in Mauritius. Yeah, in my situation, I basically see my psychiatrist at least twice a month. Uh, do the math twice a month, so that's 32. May I, I see my. May I ask, are you a depression and anxiety sufferer as well? Yes, I suffer from anxiety. I suffer from depression. I suffer from bipolar disorder. Oh, and okay. I, I diagnosed um, Asperger's syndrome, alcoholism, and problem gambling. And I'm absolutely okay with it. And you'll be having a completely normal conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not crazy. In 2019, the abnormal is the normal. I'm sorry. There is everyone suffers from something. I mean, let's just look at life. I mean, you wake well, up I with suffer from depression. So, but the prevalence between al alcoholism and depression—it's it, it, huge. Well, alcoholism goes with depression, and problem gambling goes with anxiety and depression. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic. You most likely will be. Uh, you will most likely suffer from depression, probably not anxiety from the from the alcohol yeah. point of view. Because when you consume alcohol, you know you, you you do bad things or whatever, but it doesn't really have a financial impact. I mean, yeah. you'll spend twenty dollars on booze and whatnot, but when you gamble, then your bank account hits zero, and then you start thinking yeah. about stuff. So, you know, and the thing in Mauritius is that. People are alcoholics, alcohol, if at least they're very much alcohol dependent. You're also a very, a very big rum producer, am I right? Mauritius is also a very big rum producer. Yeah, we're a big rum producer. But, uh, say, yeah. Yes, yes. But 54% of the alcohol consumption is from a beer company called Phoenix Beverages. Um, okay. And I think spirits, spirits counts for 20%. I don't have the numbers. It's on my website. Yeah. But, uh, when, when I was in Mauritius. I was at the height of my addiction. Oh, right. That was 2007 or 2008. What's, what does the height of your addiction mean? What, what happened then? I was using cocaine or cat every day. Um, I was smoking marijuana every day. I drank a lot every day. And, and I, I hid it from everybody around me. No, um, what, how much were you drinking? I was drinking one bottle of liquor a day. I would, I would take the bottle of vodka and glug, 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 glug directly from the bottle. I had a bottle in my car. I had a bottle in my drawer at work. Um, we had a huge liquor collection at, at home. You couldn't function if you didn't drink them. I balanced it with, with, with cocaine. So the, okay. the liquor will bring me down, and then the cocaine will bring me up. So I, 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 I've got that. You're very that lucky was, to be alive. That I am. You have no idea. When, when, when I went into rehab, my heart rate, my blood pressure were, were so bad. The fact that I, I haven't had a heart attack or a stroke is an absolute miracle. The fact that I'm alive today, like you, is an absolute miracle. The way I look at, at what, what you and I do is we're sharing that miracle. And again, you know, my feeling is that, that, that you feel that you should be doing more or you should be more successful in your endeavors. I think you're a fucking trailblazer. And I think you're doing bloody, bloody well. I appreciate so well that. done.
But dude, we need to finish. We've been talking for about an hour, so this was awesome. So yeah. let, let, let's finish with Morpheus giving the world a message of hope. Morpheus would say that let's imagine that there are a hundred thousand people in the world like you and me who have a website, who voice out and who share their experiences and who provide information. Imagine what this would do. And I think we are getting there daily on Twitter. And I think the more stories come, the more people will get inspired. And the more people get inspired, the more people get motivated. And this is what I call the prophecy. And believe me, alcohol and gambling and, and drugs are destroying so many lives. People are going to come to a point one day when they are going to be fed up. And the people who produce this are going to suffer. And this is just life going to balance out. Call me crazy today, we'll see the results in 20, 30, 40 years. That's, that's all I'll say. And we're not even talking about screen addiction, technology addiction. And that's... Uh, I, I am <laughs> going to be so rich one day with all these teenagers knocking on my door for help. I can't wait. Jonathan, Morpheus, thank you so much for joining no, us at Meet Me in the Field. Now, my biggest worry is that this sound's not going to be good enough to be an, an episode. So let's hope and pray that I can pull the sound from this. Let's um, hope. Let, let's hope. But I'll keep you. I'll keep you updated on whether it works or not. And if not, maybe we find another way and we do it again. No, if we if it doesn't work, it's we do it. Hour, it's another hour that we clean and sober. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Pick off Thank yourself, you. eh? Right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. The sound quality is not the best, but thanks to my husband, Yaku, we have sound. We will hopefully figure out a way to get clearer sound in future, because with Skype interviews becoming a reality for Meet Me in the Field, the sky is becoming the limit. Morpheus and I spoke about alcohol and depression. I just want to state two things here about alcohol. One, alcohol is a drug and should be used, if used at all, in moderation. And two, alcohol is a depressant. If you suffer from depression, stop drinking now. The alcohol is not helping you. It is making things worse. We also spoke about his mom's art. Check her out. www.dagmarpop D-A-G-M-A-R-P-O-P-P.com. After my chat with Morpheus, I cannot get the idea out of my head to open a treatment facility in Mauritius. Won't that be awesome? If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at, at @rensburgfreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Bye.